chapter number 10. And uh, I want to give you just a, a word of background on the message. Uh, there's, if we take time, and you can take time maybe this afternoon to read in John chapter number 11, uh, Jesus was very close friends with three folks, uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And uh, word came to Jesus when he was a couple days away from them that Lazarus was sick. And Mary and Martha sent for him. And uh, the disciples knew that he was sick. And yet Jesus didn't go right away. He stayed for a couple days and more. And then it took a few days, I, I believe, probably for them to get there. When they get there, Mary or Martha comes running out of the house and meets him on the way. And you can almost hear the the frustration, if you will, in her voice. Lord, if thou hadst been here, you could have healed him. You could have saved him. And uh, Jesus uh, had compassion on her. Mar- Mary stayed back in the house, the Bible says, and I heard one preacher say it this way one time. Both both women were pouting that Jesus didn't come right away. They just each did it in their own way. One was very confrontational, went out and blamed the Lord for the death of Lazarus. The other stayed in the house and sulked. But the truth of the matter is they were both grieving their brother, and Jesus asks to be taken to the tomb, and so they go, and He tells Martha and I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He asked her, he said, Believest thou this? And she said, Yea, Lord, I know in the resurrection that he will be resurrected. And uh, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, raises him from the dead. It's a pretty notable miracle in a little town of Bethany. They go about their business for a period of days. I don't know how long it was, but I believe very shortly after. Jesus was around the area again, and just shortly after came back and visited again. You'll find that account in the book of John, chapter number 12. And he visits with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And we find the account that Luke gives here in Luke chapter number 10. I want us to read it, if you will, in verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me alone, uh, left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Lord, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning. I pray that you'll draw our hearts to you. May your Holy Spirit work and do His business in our hearts. Lord, where conviction is needed, I pray that we will be willing to accept it. 
We will respond appropriately to it. Where encouragement is needed, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen and undergird and edify the hearts of those that are burdened down today. Where strengthening of faith is needed, Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow, to have even more faith. Lord, help our unbelief. May your Holy Spirit have free reign in the service this morning to do as he would see fit. May our hearts be yielded and open to the preaching of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Martha has a, a, a typical personality that some of us would maybe call an alpha personality. She was a very outgoing, outspoken person. We can see that and uh, derive that from the, the narratives that are given here by at least two of the Gospels. How abrupt and abrasive and confrontational she is. The Bible tells us here that she confronts the Lord Jesus Christ She's worried about her sister Mary not serving, and the Lord says, Martha, Martha. There are two other places in our Scriptures where God uses a double name like that. If you will, hold your place here for a moment. Look with me to Luke chapter number 22 and verse number 31. Luke chapter number 22 and verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And we find here, as Jesus speaks to Simon, that there is almost a tone of pity in his voice. Almost a tone of, Simon, Simon, do you not understand it yet? Are you not quite getting this? He's trying to teach Simon a lesson. He, he has pity on Simon. So much so that he tells him, he says, you don't understand that Satan desires to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Oh, what a thought. What a thought. The other time that we find this double name being used by God is in Acts chapter number 9. If you'll take a moment and turn over there. Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 4. We're going to start in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, that he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Again, here's a man who was very sincere in what he was doing, wasn't he? He thought he was doing God a favor. He was zealous for God. And yet he was prick, he's kicking against the pricks. He was persecuting Christ. And again, in pity, as he understands that Paul is missing some greater truth here, he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou I me? Mean, there's something you need to understand, Saul. There's something you're missing in this. We come to back to Luke chapter number 10 and we find that Jesus is talking to Martha. And He says, Martha, Martha, verse number 41, Thou art careful and troubled about many things. He was saying, listen, Martha, there is something you need to know. There's something that you're missing. 
There's something that no matter how much your love for me is, no matter how much your desire to please me is, no matter how much your desire to serve me is, you're missing. And he says you're careful, meaning full of care, anxiety, worried. She was a, one of these folks that anxiety all the time, just uptight all the time. And troubled, it says, about many things. But notice what he says. He says, Martha, here's what you need to understand. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part. That good part. I want us to think this morning a little bit about the contrast between Martha and Mary. As we get to the beginning of our passage this morning, in verse number 38, the Bible says that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also, and I want you to notice this, sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. Now hold your place here for just a moment. Let's look at the account in John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. And I want you to notice something about Mary that I think is very, very important here. John chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. Notice this, but Lazarus was one of them that, look at this phrase here, that sat at the table with him. Now, notice the position of each of these folks. Jesus loved all three of them dearly. Martha is serving, probably in the kitchen, or at least around the house, busy, burdened, cared, full of care. Lazarus is sitting at the table. Now, you've got to understand this. In Luke, he doesn't even give the name of the city. During this time period, there was such a, a lot of opposition against the Lord Jesus Christ <coughs> by His opponents. That in a town like Bethany, to hear of a raising of Lazarus from the dead brought quite a stir in the city. I'm sure there were many people probably wanting to be around Lazarus at this time. Now, I don't know, and the Bible doesn't tell us if there were other folks around that table. But I will say this, that, that Mary had an opportunity to sit at the table with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice where she chose to be. The Bible says in verse number 39, if we go back to Luke chapter number 10... Uh, sorry, verse number 40. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also, notice this, sat at Jesus' feet. She had an opportunity to sit at the table with the Lord, but she said, no, no, I want to be as close to Him as I possibly can. Now, this is the kind of response you would expect from somebody who had seen her Lord raise her brother from the dead. This is the kind of result that you would expect from someone who had seen such a notable miracle before her eyes. To sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice this in verse number 39. The Bible says, and heard His word. Now, I don't know what was said here. But one thing I know is that whatever it was that the Lord Jesus Christ said to Mary, it changed her life. The last time we saw her in Scripture, she was pouting in the house. And now she's sitting at the feet of her Savior. And in John's account, whatever he said to her changed her so much that she goes and she gets a very precious box made of alabaster. It has an herb called spikenard in it, an ointment. 
And she pours it on the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember what she used to wipe it with? She wiped it with her own hair. Certainly, Jesus spoke of the fact that she was anointing him for his death. There's three different people in this picture. You have Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. You have Lazarus, who's sitting at the table. And then you have Martha. I want you to notice what is said about Martha. Verse number 40, but Martha was cumbered about with much serving. I would say this, based on that expression alone, that Martha had a desire to serve the Lord. That she, she, she had some form of drive inside of her that just wanted to be the servant, wanted to be the one that waited on Him. But I want you to notice that because she allowed her service to be cumbersome, she allowed it to be cumbersome because she forgot the good part. She served without it. And Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, why dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And I want to just bring a couple of things to bear this morning. That if we are not careful in our service for God, we will become cumbersome with much service and forget the good part. We'll become so, so enamored with the service of God and our, our duty and our responsibility. And there's no doubt that Martha was a very conscientious young lady. Probably the eldest, I would imagine, judging from the position in the house and her authority over her sister. Or the seeming authority over her. She certainly bossed her around. She has this idea, this mentality that that, uh, she is the Lord of the manor, so to speak, or she's the one in charge of things there. But her service became cumbersome. And when I say this, it came out of a sense of obligation or a sense of duty. And can I tell you this, that when our service becomes cumbersome, we always feel like we're the only ones doing it. Boy, nobody else is helping. I'm the only one out here doing this. And that kind of mentality, that kind of mindset ought to be a warning sign to you and I that we're letting the service for our Lord become cumbersome. You say, Brother Gregory, are you teaching us that we ought not to serve the Lord? Oh, no, not at all. I'm just saying that when we serve the Lord, we can't forget the good part. We can't forget the good part. I want you to notice that what made her service cumbersome was because she became full of care and full of anxiety. It's interesting to me that a cumbersome service tends to draw us away from the Lord, doesn't it? Her cumbersome service had her busy in all other parts of the house, except for at His feet. But when our labor, when our service, is committed to the Lord out of a loving heart, all of a sudden, there is, there is no way that we can ever be close enough to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody says, you know what, why don't you come sit at the table with Him? Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to just sit at the table. I want to be at His feet. 
I'd love to have you come and read the Bible on a regular basis. No, no, I don't want to just read the Bible. I want to fellowship and commune with Him. It's not enough for me. You can come to church and hear some good preaching. Oh, I don't want to just come and hear a good preaching about my Savior. I want to walk with Him every day. I want to be at His feet. That's the good part. A loving commitment to the Lord. She wanted to be close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary did. And so she sits down at His feet. I want you to notice two things this morning. We're not going to be very long this morning, but I want you to notice two things about the good part that you and I need to know. Look with me, if you will, in verse number uh, verse number 42. Jesus says, But one thing is needful. Can I tell you this? The good part according to the Lord Jesus Christ, is something in my life and in your life that is needed. It's needful. It's not something that's just a bonus or something that's a plus. It's something that we must depend upon. It is a need in our lives. Notice that the cumbersome service of Martha in the verse before it, the Bible says, caused her to be troubled. And not just troubled a little bit, but it caused her to be troubled about many things. The songwriter wrote years ago, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow what? Strangely dim. In the light of His glory and His grace. And when we serve God out of cumbersome service, we're troubled, we're perplexed, we're burdened down, we're anxious, we're full of care. We become frustrated. We feel like we're the only ones doing it. We're all alone. Boy, nobody really cares out here. I'm the only one doing this. You ever been there? I'll be real honest with you. I have. I've been there before. I've looked around. Am I the only one doing this? My my service became cumbersome. Oh, the joy that came into my life when I began to learn the secret of serving not out of obligation, but out of love. It was needful. It was something that I needed in my life that I began to pray for and ask God to help me with and ask God to give me joy in serving Him. Ask God to allow me to be walking with Him and and to be close to Him every single day. Can I tell you this? There was a time period uh, when I was young in ministry. Let me put it this way. Younger in ministry, because I'm still young in ministry. Amen? Uh, When I was younger in ministry, there were times that I equated... My service and how much I served God and how much I worked and how much I labored with my spiritual condition. That I thought, boy, the more I work, the more I sweat, the more I labor, the more I suffer for the Lord, the more spiritual I'll become. Can I tell you this? Service has never caused us to draw closer to God. Service is the result of drawing closer to God. So many times we get that backwards. I've sat in colleges, I've sat in church conferences and meetings where people will talk about going out here and serving God and serving God and serving God. And yes, we ought to serve God. But it ought to be the fruit that is produced from what happens on the inside of our hearts, not something we're trying to do to make our hearts better. Oh, that we would learn this truth. It is so needful in the day that we live. I've shared several times before the illustration of a tree. And the Bible talks about it in Psalm 1, that we're a tree planted by the rivers of water. 
that bringeth forth her fruit, the Bible says, in her season. That tree doesn't just begin to bear fruit <clears throat> as the first priority. The first priority that tree has by that water is to get enough nourishment to stay alive. And you know, there's a lot of Christians out here who don't walk with God. They don't spend time in His Word. If they do, they do it out of obligation. It's just going through the routine of checking off their reading list. But I'm talking about walking with God. I'm talking about communing with Him and loving Him and, and letting our hearts be poured out to Him. To be able to, to saturate ourselves and deepen our roots into the water of God's Word. To study it, to learn it, to know our Savior. To spend time in prayer, to spend time meditating upon Him. To spend time singing songs of praise and worship to Him that cause our hearts to swell and grow in love for Him. This is the needful thing. That tree, and many of us are just getting enough nourishment, just enough by coming to church and hearing a message two or three times a week. It gives us just enough nourishment to barely stay alive in our Christian life. And then we wonder, where's the joy that pastor always talks about? Where's the joy that the Bible speaks of? Where's the light yoke, the easy yoke that the Lord Jesus speaks about? Take my yoke upon me, on you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find what? Rest unto your souls. Boy, if that's not a contradiction. Taking on a yoke is the idea of working and laboring and serving. But we're going to find rest when we take God's yoke upon us? Yes, because we do it out of love. It's needful. The tree takes that water and it has just enough to stay alive. That's it. It stunts its growth. It doesn't bear fruit. But if it gets enough water to stay alive and it has a little bit more, God is just really working in our lives. We're walking with Him. We're growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're loving Him more every day. Then we begin to grow. And oh, isn't that growth a wonderful thing? And one of these days we're going to realize that we've grown to a point that there's enough there that, that, that we love God enough and that we're walking with God enough and we're in His Word enough that all of a sudden one day we look around and there's some fruit that's showing out. All of a sudden we bump into somebody we're able to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they get saved and they start growing. And all of a sudden we're excited about things once again. Can I tell you this? It was needful. It was needful. The good part. The problem we have many times in the day that we live is we try to serve God. And our service is cumbersome. Our service is labored. We miss out on the good part. The Bible says in verse number 42, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. And I want you to notice this, which shall not be taken away from her. The Bible talks about the fact that there are some that plant and some that water, but it is God who gives the increase. And John speaks to the fact, herein is my Father glorified in that you bear much fruit. Can I tell you this? It ought to be our heart's desire that we would see fruit born in our lives. Oh, not just a soul, but I'm talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives too. That God would be bearing fruit in our lives of all manner. 
the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That God would be bearing fruit of souls that are saved in another, another tree that is reproduced. Can I tell you, that's the kind of fruit that can never be taken away. Those are things that are eternal. The Bible teaches very clearly that there can be nothing done. In fact, Jesus said it this way, Without me ye can do nothing. So often we hear preached, we're motivated by our pastor. Can I tell you this? I'm not saying it's wrong to be motivated by a pastor, but wouldn't it be far greater if we'd just be motivated by God's Word? Let, let it tell us what we're supposed to do or not do. I've, I've seen and watched so many times as pastors get up and preach on service, 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 service. Above all else, service. My friend, service will come when the good part is taken care of. Mary's sitting at His feet. And he's speaking to her. She's listening to him speak. God is doing something in the heart of Mary. Mary goes and gets that box of ointment. The Bible says that when she broke that box open, that the fragrance of the ointment filled the whole house. The thing that was needful, the thing which could not be taken away from her, was the good part. The part of having a heart that said, I long to be at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be over in the kitchen. I don't want to just be at the table. I want to be as close to Him as I possibly can be. If I can, I want to sit there. And I envy Mary. In that position, to be able to be at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder what would happen if you and I were sitting there today. If you and I were sitting there and listening to Him speak. The love that would come from our hearts. The devotion we would have for Him. I I just can't help but believe this. That when Mary got up to serve, it wasn't cumbersome. She wasn't troubled about a lot of things. But she served with joy. She took that thing in the house that was the most precious. And she broke it. And anointed the Savior with it. Jesus said, but one thing is needful. Martha, Martha, you're missing something. Your service is cumbersome. You're troubled by many things. You need to choose the good part. He said, Billy Greg, what was the good part? sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to His words, 
Oh, that we would learn this. I have so often thought back to the years of laboring and serving the Lord. Where my walk with God was not what it should have been. And the years of wasted and futile effort. The frustration that came from it. The times I looked around and said, I'm the only one out here doing this. Complaining at God. Lord, why don't you get some other folks to help? And all the time I was missing the good part. Oh, the difference it makes. Do you have the good part this morning? Or is your labor cumbersome? Is it troubling? Is it something that causes us to be full of care? To be full of worry? Do we have the good part this morning? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Our message has been primarily for Christians today. But in a crowd this size, if you're here this morning you say, Pastor, I don't know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I'd like to think I would. I hope I would. But I sure don't know it. Can I tell you this? Jesus has said, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that for a fact this morning. You can trust Him and Him alone to save you this morning and get that matter settled. If you're here this morning you say, Pastor, I don't know if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. I hope I would. I think I would, but I don't know. I would ask you to either during the invitation time come forward and let us take the Bible and show you how you can be saved or if you feel self-conscious about coming forward, maybe find one of us after the service. Say, can I talk with you for a minute? Oh, we'd love nothing more than to take the Bible and show you how to be saved today. Christ didn't come to send folks to hell. He came to save us from hell. He came to give us a home in heaven for all of eternity. He came to give us forgiveness. He offers it to us freely. All we have to do is put our faith in Him. For Christians that are here today, the question is, is our service cumbersome? Have we lost the joy? Or do we have the good part? Are we yearning for it? Are we yearning to be at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ? To hear His Word? Oh, that we would dedicate and consecrate ourselves to these things. Father, we pray that You'll bless the invitation. Use it as You would see fit. May Your Holy Spirit work in hearts. We pray that You would allow us to be drawn closer to You each and every day. May we walk with You. May we grow. May we have the good part in our lives. A part that is needful and a part which can never be taken away. Father, I pray that You'd help our hearts to be drawn to You today. Strengthen us where we're needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. We'll have the piano and organ uh, play through a hymn of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart.